So we now know that the Clinton campaign understood in real time that Hillary Clinton was lying about her private email server. According to campaign chairman John Podesta, Hillary lawyer David Kendall, former State Department chief of staff Cheryl Mills, and former senior advisor Philippe Raines sure weren't forthcoming on the facts here. It's a direct quote. One of Hillary's friends, activist Nira Tanzin, replied, quote, this is a Cheryl's special, like Cheryl Mills. Know you love her, but this stuff is like her Achilles heel or kryptonite. She can't say no to this bleep. Why didn't they get this stuff out like 18 months ago? So crazy. I guess I know the answer. They wanted to get away with it, unquote. <laughs> These are Hillary's allies. Tandon rightly pointed out the Clinton campaign should have released all the emails immediately if they wanted to avoid scrutiny. But, as always, they hid the truth because they are pathological, paranoid liars. And the lies extend all the way up the chain. According to an email from Cheryl Mills, President Obama was lying when he said in 2015 that he learned about Hillary's private emails, quote, the same time everybody else learned it through news reports. Mills wrote, quote, we need to clean this up. He has emails from her. They do not say state.gov. <laughs> Obama's press secretary, Josh Ernest, came out days after Obama's lies, fibbing again, quote, the point the president was making is not he didn't know Secretary Clinton's email address. He did. But he wasn't aware of the details of how that email address and that server had been set up or how Secretary Clinton and her team were planning to comply with the Federal Records Act. Meanwhile, ABC News reports the State Department still hasn't gotten back to the National Archives and Records Administration, called NARA, on their request for records from months ago for emails concerning Hillary tech aide Brian Pagliano. NARA informed the State Department on July 18th to explain why there were no Pagliano emails. He was obligated by law to turn over those emails. Three months later, nothing. Zip, nada. They've turned over nothing. Hillary Clinton has used the government as her personal cover-up service for decades. She did it while she was in the White House with her charlatan husband. She did it at the State Department. Is there any doubt she would pervert the executive branch to her own purposes as President of the United States? I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, so we are back from the last of the Jewish holidays, so we should not have any breaks now between now and the election, which is 13 long, endless days away. Time is now moving backwards as we approach the election, because that's what happens in horror movies. You just feel that, that horrible feeling creep up your neck, and the movie seems to last twice as long as you thought it would because it's so frightening. Yes, that is where we now are in this election cycle, 13 days until Armageddon. But before we get to that... A positive note from Birch Gold, our friends over at Birch Gold, if you are afraid of the apocalypse, or are just afraid that the economy is overblown, that we're due for another recession, that the stock market and real estate market are overvalued, because they are, you might want to give my friends over at Birch Gold Group a call. You go to birchgold.com slash Ben, and they will inform you how you can shift your IRA into precious metals, if that's something you're interested in doing. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they give a 16-page comprehensive kit on how gold and silver can protect your assets. So get in touch with them at birchgold.com slash Ben to get that no-cost, no-obligation kit, and ask all of your questions before you invest. I always encourage everybody to do full research before you invest in anything, but part of your portfolio should be in precious metals as a hedge against inflation and against and against instability in the stock market and real estate market. My friends at Birch Gold can help you out. Birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so lots to get to. We will, of course, get to Newt Gingrich versus Megyn Kelly, the only thing anyone wants to talk about today. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, some stories that the mainstream media obviously don't want to talk about. The first of this is that Obamacare is absolutely collapsing. So in 38 states across the country, the premiums have risen by a significant amount, according to the Associated Press, as much as 25% in some states. It was built to be this way. Okay, We all know that it was going to be this way. As I mentioned last week when we talked about Obamacare's rising premiums, 
Obamacare was built on the great lie that young people were going to pay for insurance they don't need, and that was going to be used to redistribute the insurance coverage to older people and to people who couldn't afford it. That was the idea. Turns out, young people just said, screw it, I'll pay the fine. And so, that's what they've been doing. And it also turns out that the other part of, Medica- uh, of, of Obamacare was that Medicaid would be expanded in the states sponsored by the federal government. A lot of conservative states said, we're not going to expand Medicaid because the federal government is promising to pay it right now, but they won't be paying it in five years, and then we'll end up picking up the tab for this expanded Medicaid. And so, a lot of people are not on insurance, and that means that the insurance companies have been sort of forced to cover a lot of people who are in poor health, and the insurance premiums are skyrocketing. So, People are not being covered in a lot of these states, plus the insurance premiums are up. So, it's the worst of all possible worlds. And this is how it was built to be. Obamacare's architect was on TV over the weekend and over the past few days, and he said that the Obamacare premium increases are going to be severe. This is Ezekiel Emanuel, I believe. Jake, totally agree with you. There's a million people for whom this is going to be severe uh, or uncomfortable. Um, And I, you know, for a million people, we need to find other solutions. Zeke, you just cherry pick some states. Let me cherry pick one of my own. Arizona premiums are going to jump one hundred sixteen. They're going to jump one hundred sixteen percent. Yes, and the question is, what were they before, and what are they after? And look, I think it's a real problem there. We need to get more people oh, in oh. at one hundred sixteen percent increase. We need to get more people in. So how are we going to do that? We're going to force people to buy insurance. I love it when Obamacare advocates say, we have all these new people who are buying insurance. Right, because you're putting the government gun to their head and demanding they buy insurance. If I pass a law saying everybody has to buy a car, car sales will go up, even if it's a crappy car. The premiums are going up dramatically because part of this, and Republicans do this routine too, when they say that we need insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions, that's not insurance coverage. That's health care. Okay, I don't buy fire insurance after my house burns down. Because no fire insurance company would sell me an insurance policy. An insurance policy is just a bet. You're betting that your house won't burn down, and they're betting that you, or you're betting that your house will burn down, and they're betting your house won't burn down. Once you already have cancer, okay, you're not betting anymore that you won't get cancer. You know they're paying you. They're just if you can't pay in seven fifty a month or thousand dollars or fifteen hundred bucks a month and take out ten thousand dollars a month. That's not insurance coverage. That's a subsidy. In any case, Obamacare is collapsing. It was designed to collapse. So naturally, Democrats are trying to blame Republicans over all of this. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the the former DNC chair, who's now been replaced with the execrable Donna Brazil, she says that it's time to sit with Republicans, Jar Jar Binks of the Democratic Party. We need to sit down together, like Hillary Clinton has said over and over, with Republicans across the table and iron out those kinks. And that's what we're committed to do, so we can make sure that we can continue to improve upon a plan that has given 20 million people health insurance and given people like me as a breast cancer survivor who has a, lives with a pre-existing condition the chance not to worry about being dropped or denied coverage like we like we had to worry about before. But the num- okay, first of all. Again, if you had a pre-existing condition, that's awful, but there's a reason you're paying a higher premium, because your risks are higher, just like any other insurance scheme. Okay, That's just the way insurance works. The idea that they're going to put it on Republicans now, we need to work together to correct the system? You take your system and you shove it. I mean, we're not interested in correcting your crappy system. Your system should implode, and we should get rid of your system, and we should replace it with something better, obviously. Now, Donald Trump is uh, is campaigning on this. He's, he's now decided that, that he's going to kind of split his time between not campaigning and campaigning. So, Today, he's over in Washington, D.C., pushing his Trump hotel at a ribbon cutting, which is what normal presidential candidates do, I'm I'm informed. Uh, But he's also tweeting. He has, to his credit, he has tweeted in all capital letters, repeal and replace Obamacare. So I guess that's sufficient uh, for, for that sort of coverage. But Trump is 
splitting his his time in this campaign. So he he is spending some time hitting Hillary Clinton. Uh, he he's hitting her about her her email server as well. Here's Donald Trump hitting Hillary about the new revelations about her email server. And he found out Hillary Clinton was using a personal email when he saw it on the news. Oh, that's nice. But Cheryl Mills, Clinton's chief of staff, the State Department, replied, quote, listen to this. We need to clean this up. He has the emails from her. They do not say state.gov. They don't say it. In other words, Mills was saying Obama... He had to know that Hillary was using an illegal server, but he claimed otherwise. So that means Obama is now into the act. And now I understand that despite his hatred of the Clintons, because I know one thing, Bill hates him, but despite his hatred, now I understand why he pushed her. And that's good, Trump. And this is exactly right. Okay, the fact is that that Obama was complicit in the private email cover-up. There's a report today that the DOJ, the Department of Justice, they they charted the political donations of the DOJ, and it turned out that 97% of all political donations in this cycle from employees of the DOJ went to Hillary Clinton. You guessed it, of course, because that's the way this entire routine works. I mean, these these corrupt connections have been around. Uh, the Clintons are no, it's nothing new for the Clintons. So Republicans have a right to be upset that that's not being covered more, obviously. That doesn't mean that they're very good at this. So now we get to the story that everybody's talking about, because, again, uh, you know, part of this is, yes, the media would prefer to cover Donald Trump's scandals than Hillary's scandals. Part of it is that it's much easier for to, to wrap your mind around Donald Trump grabs women by the bleep than it is to to talk about Cheryl Mills and Philip Raines and try to explain who all these people are and how they're all connected. You have to connect all the dots, and that's a little bit more complicated. The media doesn't want to do that work. Uh, to their credit, the media is covering today these new revelations about Hillary's email server and Cheryl Mills and John Podesta. They are. It was on the front page of the Washington Post. You know, take that for what it's worth. But you know, we can be frustrated with we we can we can be frustrated with the level of media coverage. That doesn't mean that the Trump campaign is doing a good job with this. So if Trump were on the, speech, the stump all the time, and all he was talking about was what we just saw, we'd be looking at a much better Trump, a much more solid Trump, a Trump who is looking to win. But uh, the, real, uh, the reality of the situation now, and this is where we get into telling uncomfortable truths, because that's what we do on the program, and I'll talk about why it's uncomfortable for so many people in a minute. Uh, the, the uncomfortable truth is that Donald Trump is not running for president anymore. He's running for the post-presidency civil war so that he can start his, his Trump TV routine. He is. I said this back in August that this was his plan, that his plan B was that if he started to lose. He knows that's the case now, so he's just throwing red meat to his base, and he's throwing his surrogates out there to throw red meat to his base. Because the stuff that he's doing now is not conducive to him winning an election. Trump plan A was win the election. Trump plan B was, if you can't win the election, then start stumping for the base. Throw red meat to the base. Even if it means I do worse in the election, but I lock up my base to pay me 10 bucks a month at Trump TV, then that's what I'll do. And that's the direction that Trump has been moving over the past several weeks, and, and that's certainly been true in the last 24 hours as well. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. A lot of people, when I say that sort of thing, they say, well, don't you understand how bad Hillary is? That's a non sequitur. As you know, I just spent 15 minutes ripping into Hillary. She's the most corrupt person to run for high office in my lifetime. Hillary Clinton is an abomination. She's going to be a terrible president. She's going to corrupt the executive branch. Okay, but that's a non sequitur. Donald Trump doesn't want to win. The comeback is not Hillary's awful. I know Hillary's awful. I'm not even making the case right now you shouldn't vote for Trump. I'm just pointing out to you so you don't get suckered. 
that if Donald Trump loses, Donald Trump loses because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump loses because he doesn't, he's not interested in winning anymore. He cares less about winning than you do. He cares less about stopping Hillary Clinton than you do. He is only interested in one thing right now, and that is fighting with his own party and fighting with the media so that he can get people to buy into his brand after he loses badly. If he didn't care about those things, if he really wanted to win, he'd be focusing on his ground game. He wouldn't have shut down his major fundraisers with the RNC, which is what he's done. He has no ground game in any of the major states. Now, all that is, is an indicator that the Trump campaign is not interested in winning. The Trump campaign is interested in the civil war that comes after that begins November 9th. And the reason I'm talking about that right now, the reason it's important to talk about that right now before the election is because otherwise what's going to happen is Trump is going to lie all the way up to the election that this is close. His people are going to go out there and tell you that it's really, really close. If only Trump hadn't been stabbed in the back. And people are going to be shocked. They're going to be in despair November 9th. And I think two things. One, you shouldn't be in despair November 9th. The battle isn't over. You can lose the battle and still win the war. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. And point number two, if you're so shocked that Trump lost, you're more likely to fall into his next con, which is, I lost because I was backstabbed. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. He was a bad candidate. He's run a bad campaign. He's continuing to run a bad campaign right now. Now, the reason, by the way, I say that the battle could be lost, but the war isn't, is Hillary Clinton will be a deeply unpopular president. There's likely to be a recession on her watch. There's a recession in this country every eight to 10 years. That means the last one was in 2007, 2008. It is now 2016. Good shot that the economy, which is inflated by the Fed tanks under Hillary Clinton's watch in off-year elections, the incumbent party does very poorly. So there's a good shot that in four years, Republicans come back. It's a bad four years, but Republicans come back and do something decent in four years if they don't go to war. The danger here is that Trump sends them to war. Okay, all of that is lead up to this clip of Newt Gingrich with Megyn Kelly last night. Because when it comes to Newt Gingrich versus Megyn Kelly, you have to understand something. You can agree with Newt Gingrich, but this exchange wins Newt Gingrich zero points with the voters who matter. Okay, it wins him subscribers to New Trump TV, but it doesn't do anything for the actual election. Nobody watches this exchange, and then they say, you know what, now I'm voting Trump. So here's the exchange between Gingrich and Kelly that made all sorts of headlines last night. A sexual predator, that is... He's not a sexual predator. Okay, you that's your opinion. That. I'm you not taking not a position defend on that it. statement. I, I'm, I now, am I'm not sick taking and a tired of people it. like you using language that's inflammatory that's not true. Excuse me, Mr. Donald, Speaker. Donald, Donald you Trump have no idea not whether it's true or not. What we know is that neither, there are at least... Neither do you. That's right, and I'm not so, taking a position on, on it, unlike yes, you. you. Are. When you use the words, you took a position. So what I, think I said is... it's very unfair of you to do that, Megan. Incorrect. I think that is exactly the bias people are upset by. I think when you want to go back to the did. tapes of your show recently, you are fascinated with sex, and you don't care about public policy. Well, that's really? what I get out of watching you tonight. I want to hear your words, Bill Clinton's sexual predator. I dare you. Say Bill Clinton's sexual predator. Mr. Speaker, disbarred we've covered... Disbarred by the, by the Arkansas me, bar? Disbarred by Excuse the Arkansas me. bar. $850,000 penalty? Excuse me, sir. We on the Kelly file have covered the Clinton matter as well. We've hosted Kathleen Willey. Oh, we've we've covered the examples of him being accused as well, but he's not on the ticket. And the polls also show that he'll the American the, public is less in interested in the deeds. Okay, so I'll give you the full analysis of this in just a second. First, we have to say hello to our friends over at Ring.com. So, you know, if you're somebody who's afraid of home burglary, I tend to be kind of paranoid about this because I have a lot of hate mail, but if you're somebody who's worried about home burglary or somebody coming to your house who ought not be there, Ring.com is for you. Very often what happens is people ring the doorbell to see if you're home, and then they burglarize the place. 
what Ring.com does is you can see it has the camera up top. Somebody rings the doorbell. It rings through to your phone. You can reply to them directly, and that means whether you're home or not home, you can give the impression that you're home. You can also see who's at your door. Right now, they have an advanced motion detection technology to protect the property called the Ring of Security Kit, which means the Ring video doorbell for the front door, and a Ring stick-up cam, which is a wireless weatherproof HD camera. Again, we have a lot of great advertisers. This is one of the ones where I actually spent my own money to go out and get extra Ring products because I believe in the product so much. Ring.com is a way that you can keep your home safe. Uh, my wife is, is paranoid about this kind of stuff, and so am I. Uh, and so we've bought a bunch of their products. It's, it's a great product, and I highly recommend it. Right now, if you go to ring.com slash Ben, you get 150 bucks off of the Ring of Security Kit, which is a pretty heavy disc, hefty discount. So 150 bucks off the Ring of Security Kit, ring.com slash Ben for 150 bucks off your kit. Great product. I highly recommend it. Okay, so when it comes to this clip, Gingrich and Kelly, I'm just going to point out before I say you know what this clip means. If you're a Trump supporter, you think that Gingrich did great. If you're not a Trump supporter, you think Gingrich made an ass of himself here. That that really is what it comes down to here. No no minds were changed. No minds were changed, except the minds of women who may watch this and say, really? Newt Gingrich, thrice married Newt Gingrich, the guy who cheated on his second wife with his third wife, that guy is saying to Megyn Kelly, a woman, that she's obsessed with sex because she is covering sexual assault allegations against Donald Trump? Now, you may think that that's awful that people think that way. Maybe it is. That's also reality. Okay, the reality of the situation is that right now, Donald Trump, according to ABC News, Washington Post polls, is losing women by a margin of 55 to 35. By contrast, Mitt Romney lost women by 12. Donald Trump is losing women by 20. Okay, among white women, Donald Trump is losing 62 to 30. Mitt Romney won white women, white college-educated women. Trump is losing them. He's destroying an entire generation of female voters for the Republican Party because of stuff like this. Whether you think Gingrich is right, and I think he's partially right, and I think he's partially wrong, you have to acknowledge that there are costs to this kind of stuff politically. I'm not talking about how it should be. I'm not talking about what's true or not. I'm talking about the reality of politics on the ground. This sort of stuff does not help Donald Trump, and Gingrich knows that, and Trump knows that, and they all know this, but they're still pushing this kind of stuff, which means there's another agenda here. There's another agenda here. Okay, This has nothing to do with Gingrich being right or Gingrich being wrong. But here's the thing. When I speak the language of reality, again, that sort of iron curtain goes down. People don't want to hear it because it's not November 9th yet, so we can't operate in the realm of reality. We have to have hope that Trump is going to win. We have to assume that Trump is on the verge of winning. We have to say that Hillary's really bad. She is. She's awful. That has nothing to do with the point that I'm making. It has nothing to do with the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is, if you want to run an effective campaign that doesn't damage conservatism and the Republican brand in the future, this is not how it's done. I'll explain more about that in just a second over at dailywire.com. This is why you should subscribe so you can watch live at dailywire.com. Check us out there, $8 a month. And that means that you can also be part of the, the Daily Wire mailbag, which you do. And right now, if you get an annual subscription, then you get a free copy, free signed copy of my new novel, True Allegiance, which has been doing really well on Amazon. It comes out in print on November 1st. So that should be a, a big deal. It's gotten getting good reviews. Conservative Review just did a really nice review of it. Town Hall did a great review of it. Alan West and Coulter, both of whom support. Trump really liked the book, thought it was a great book. You can get a free copy signed by me at dailywire.com when you do a subscription, a full year subscription, and become part of the the team that, that brings you the most popular conservative podcast available in the United States today. Okay, so back to the the Gingrich clip. So there are a few things to say about this. First, Gingrich is totally right. The media have covered, obviously, all of the stuff about Trump's sex assault allegations way more than Hillary's scandals. Some of that's legit. Some of it isn't. 
It's legit to cover sex scandals more. People are more interested in sex scandals. That's just human nature. It's been true since biblical times. When you talk about David's great sins, the first one that comes to mind is the sex scandal with, with Bathsheba, with, with Bathsheba. Right, so this has been true forever and ever and ever. Sex scandals have been true throughout human history. Those are the ones that people are interested in. I mean, there have been wars fought over sex scandal. The Trojan War was fought over a sex scandal. So this idea that we're going to cover Hillary's emails the same way we cover a sex scandal, it's not true to human nature. So, but, but Gingrich is right. The media have been heavily focusing on that, and they don't focus as much on Bill Clinton. Kelly is right that people don't care as much about Bill Clinton because Bill isn't running Hillary is. That's true. That's true. So they're both sort of half right. They're both sort of half right. The part where Gingrich is wrong and stupid is when he assumes, number one, that Kelly is part of the quote-unquote mainstream media infrastructure. Treating Megyn Kelly like she's Andrea Mitchell or Martha Raddatz is idiotic. Plus, she's on Fox News. If you want the Trump side of the story, the next hour is Sean Hannity's Trump informational hour, sponsored by Donald Trump brand hotels and Trump vodka. Okay, if you want Donald Trump's perspective on anything, just wait 20 minutes, right? The idea that, that Megyn Kelly is indicative of Fox News' bias against Trump, or she's part of the big problem here, is really stupid, especially when the truth is that the Trump team has been going after Kelly since the beginning. I mean, when she asked a question about Trump's treatment of women in the first debate, the immediate response by Trump was to say she was on her period. So there, there's, nothing, there's nothing new under the sun here. But again, when he says things like, you're obsessed with sex to Megyn Kelly— that's just, I'm sorry, that doesn't wash in any world. It doesn't. It doesn't wash in any world. First of all, there has never been a woman, or there are very few women, let's put it this way, there are very few women who are as obsessed with sex as the average man. Like, truly speaking, according to science, I like science, okay, they've done social science studies. They did a study where they went to a bar, and they put a beautiful woman in a bar, and she propositioned a bunch of guys, and almost 100% of the men were willing to immediately go to her place and have sex with her. They did the same thing with a good-looking guy. Put him in a bar, had him proposition a bunch of women. How many women went with him? The answer was zero. Okay, men and women don't treat sex the same. So the idea that Kelly is particularly sex-obsessed, but thrice-married Newt Gingrich is not, is just ridiculous. Second of all, the, the kind of the outrage that you're seeing from, from Gingrich about the language of sexual predator there, where she says, if he's a sexual predator, it's a story— if he's a sexual predator, it is a story. It's a story because Bill Clinton is a sexual predator. What Kelly should have said there is, you're right. If Bill Clinton is a sexual predator, that is a story. It's not the same story because Clinton isn't running for president and Donald Trump is. But it's a story, sure. Okay, so all, that, all that's true. All that's accurate. But you have to question the motivation of the Trump campaign for making this an issue. And now they're making this a continuous issue. Now they're making this a continuous issue. Forget whether you like Kelly or not. You can hate Kelly. But... They're making this a continuous. Here's Donald Trump today, right? Donald Trump today at an event that he definitely needed to do. He needed to do a ribbon cutting at his new hotel for the Trump brand because he's running for president. He's not running for CEO. He's running for president. So he has to go to the swing state of Washington, D.C., where he can open his new hotel. And here he is talking about, you guessed it, the brilliance of Newt Gingrich. She wants to withdraw that statement so badly, Newt. And by the way, congratulations, Newt, on last night. That was an amazing interview. That was an amazing. We don't play games, Newt, right? We don't play games. We don't play games, Newt. Okay, this whole thing is a game. You're standing literally in front of a sign that says Trump International Hotels in the middle of a presidential campaign. The whole thing's a game. So what is the real game here? The real game here is to get people like me, like you, conservatives, very, very, very upset at the media, the rigged media, and listen, I'm upset at the media. I've written full books on the media. I, the media are corrupt. They're awful. They're awful. 
But the game here now is no longer to win because he's undermining himself with women. Remember, he had two goals. One was to win. The second was, if he couldn't win, to run for CEO of Trump TV. And if, and if B comes into conflict with A, he goes with B. And that's what's happening right now. Right now, his electoral strategy is diametrically opposed to his strategy for boosting his brand after the election. The electoral strategy would be to reach out to women. His strategy is to rip down people like Megyn Kelly, whether you like it or not, that's his strategy, so that he can get people all up in arms about the unfair media so he can sell them subscriptions at $12 a month. That's the goal here. Okay, and you can see it right there. And now, I mean, this is just so stupid. Paul, now that Breitbart is trotting out Paula Jones to talk about Megyn Kelly, right? Juanita Broderick to talk about Megyn Kelly. Here's Paula Jones, the, the victim of sexual harassment uh, by, the, uh, by the president of the United States. She's the one who received the $850,000 settlement. He said, uh, Paula Jones tweets, Woohoo, he slammed this nasty heifer. Okay, is that, I, I didn't realize that that's the way that you treat someone who's talking about the evils of sexual assault by anyone. I mean, that, that sort of undermines your, your general claim that you care about sexual assault when somebody goes after your candidate for sexual assault. Again, imagine that the scenarios were reversed. Imagine that all the women accusing Trump were coming out in defense of Bill Clinton. Wouldn't you be a little ticked? Yes, you would. Okay, Juanita Broderick did the same thing. She says, Megyn Kelly is hell on the inside. Well, beauty is only skin deep. Megyn Kelly is ugly as hell on the inside. Really? What did she do to you, Juanita Broderick? Last I checked, she asked Democrats about Juanita Broderick. And she had Kathleen Willey on her program. But again, this is now about rooting for Trump. It's no longer about winning the election. It's no longer about winning the election. And so this is the damage that's being done by Trump in the future. And I'm already talking November 9th, and I, don't know, I know people don't want to talk November 9th. We all want to pretend along, and this is the place that you come for truth, not for nostrums. If you want people lying to you about how this is going to be close, if you want people lying to you about how Trump is running a brilliant campaign, if you want people to lie to you about how it's going to be a blowout for Trump, if it weren't for the media and for the never-Trumpers, there are plenty of shows for you to get it. You're not going to get that here. I'm going to tell you the truth. When I think Trump is right, I think he's right. I said that at the beginning of the show about the private server. If, you think Trump is, if I think Trump is running a bad campaign, it's because he's running a bad campaign. Rudy Giuliani doing the same thing. He's on TV and he's talking about racism. And here's Rudy Giuliani talking about racism. Racist? The last thing in the world Donald Trump is is a racist. I know him for 28 years. The man likes white people. He likes black people. He likes Hispanic people. He plays golf with them. He opened up, he opened up the first club in Palm Beach that allowed Jewish people, black people, Italian people like me who couldn't get into those clubs to get in. Get into those but clubs. can you say that Stephen Bannon guy, doesn't run Donald Trump's campaign? He's the Donald CEO Trump of the campaign. Donald Trump runs Donald Trump's campaign. Then what's he doing even paying there Stephen are, Bannon? He there are a lot him. of people that do different things. But to say that Donald Trump is a racist is outrageous. And to call anybody a racist is outrageous. Well, hold I, on. I can't there are people that. you can call racist. Well, you can't call him a racist because the man has done more for minorities over the last 30 years in terms of opening facilities for them, hiring them, promoting them, promoting okay, the first woman to be the head of a construction company. Can you taking, say that? Taking a guy who began as a caddy who's now making a couple million dollars a year running his technology. I mean, this is a guy who has helped people, black people, white people. He doesn't see people that way. It's Hillary Clinton who says to us, we all have implicit bias, who I believe has a problem. She should look in the mirror. If she thinks we all have implicit bias, Hillary, I got news for you. I don't. Maybe you do. I have no racial guilt, not a single bit of it, which is why I'm willing to tell the truth about black crime and what has to be done about it. And there is no mayor in the history of the city that saved more black lives than me. Not anybody even close. 
Okay, there's a reason that Donald Trump is running at historic lows in the minority community. Don't believe the headlines, by the way, about how he's winning by 23% among blacks. There is one poll that shows him uh, getting 23% of blacks. That's the Rasmussen poll. Every other poll shows him in low single digits. But, again, the question for me is what happens after the election now. Is everything being undermined, or is Donald Trump really building a movement? So, you can see, again, people don't want to talk about this. And I keep saying this because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about all of this. So, the reason it's uncomfortable for people to talk about this is because in these elections, and I'm tempted to do it too, I, I am, it's easy to fall into the old rooting patterns. You know, Republican versus Democrat, two bad people, pick one. The reason that I don't do that is because my rule in this election and in every election has been whoever I vote for, it's not just a vote against the person who I'm voting against, it is also a vote for the person for whom I am voting. And I have a certain basic standard that, that has not been fulfilled in these candidates. And you do, too. I mean, everybody does. Everybody does. You can, admit, you can admit it. You cannot admit it. Unless you're somebody who truly believes that the ends justify every means, you believe it, too. I was on the radio this morning uh, with a gal who's very pro-Trump, a friend of mine named Jen Horn. Jen's a wonderful gal. And I asked her you know, a very specific question. I said, OK, let's assume, because we we're talking about you know, why you wouldn't vote for Trump over Hillary, which is people are still talking about this, obviously. And one of the things that I said was, OK, Let's assume that there were somebody who you think would be crucial to elect, but is somebody who's just wildly unpalatable as a human being. Let's say David Duke, who's running for Senate in Louisiana. Let's say that David Duke ran for Senate and he were the 60th vote to repeal Obamacare, for example. Would you vote for David Duke if you lived in Louisiana? And she said yes. And she said yes. And I said, well, I wouldn't. Because there are certain standards of people for whom you won't vote. I said, well, if you would vote for David Duke, who wouldn't you vote for? What would the person have to do? And she said, well, maybe if he's a murderer. I said, well, but let's say that he were a murderer. Wouldn't you just say, well, the collective good matters more? Because that's the argument. The argument is the collective good matters more. The policy matters more. It doesn't matter how bad the person is. The policies they implement are what we're voting for. If that's the truth, then we're now in a real ends-justify-the-means scenario. And that means you'll elect some of the worst people on earth who you believe will promote your agenda. And that's who you'll end up with. You'll end up with the worst people on earth. And, you know, I, I don't use Hitler analogies because I don't like Hitler analogies. Typically, there's Hitler and Hitler was Hitler. Um, but there are a lot of people, I'm going to use one now. So the reason that I'm going to use one now is because people tend to, in this, in the binary election cycle, they keep saying things like, we sided with Stalin to stop Hitler, which is true, which is true, obviously. The question is, how did Hitler get elected in the first place? The reason Hitler got elected, and he was, he was elected in the first place, not to stop, not, not because he was a great guy, not because people even liked him that much. The reason that he was elected in the first place is to stop the communists. And the idea was, yes, he's a bad guy, but we can use him because he's going to implement our agenda. Once the ends justify the means, we've moved beyond the purpose of, of democracy and republicanism. Once the ends justify the means, we've moved into the realm of seduction of evil. I mean, it really is. If the ends justify the means, if anything is on the table, so long as this person does the things you want them to do, then politicians are not answerable to people anymore. The policies are, are the only thing that matters. And that's, that's very dangerous territory, and it certainly is not conservative territory. Um, but you know that's, that's the logic that's being pushed. When, when you say lesser of two evils, that's the logic that it ends up becoming very quickly. So already, as I say, people don't want to think about these questions because these questions are very uncomfortable. And so instead, they just revert to Hillary Clinton is the evil of all evils. I agree. She's awful, 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 awful. She's terrible. I don't blame you for voting Trump to stop Hillary Clinton. I don't. I understand it. I find the logic compelling, but not persuasive. But Donald Trump 
clearly is is now not running. He's now running for what happens after. So here's Donald Trump. He's on with Rush Limbaugh, and uh, and he's blaming everybody else for the fact that he's losing. And here's the bottom line. I think we're doing really well. You know, they even put phony polls out there, Rush. You, you, you take a look at some of these polls. They're totally phony. Now, the poll that called it correct for the last three presidential elections uh, has us up by 2%. And you take a look at the lines in Florida. They're unbelievable what's going on. And early polling at different places has us leading in a lot of different places that nobody was even thinking about. So... We'll see what happens, but these are bad people, Rush. And, I mean, you've dealt with them for a long time, but they're bad. They're, they're bad and very evil people. You have an interesting philosophy in, in the way of dealing with this, and, and people in public life have, have evolved different theories and, and ways. But for you, you, you are accused of whatever it is uh, with whatever subject. You choose to defend yourself right on the spot. Hello? You choose to go after. People say, no, no, Mr. Trump, stick to the issues. Don't let Hello? them sidetrack you that way. What is your thinking on oh, trying to repel each other? Go ahead. No, where's the, oh, he thinks we lost us. His cell phone connection must have dumped. That's all we need. But in any case, there's Trump talking about how the polls are all rigged, everything is rigged. And I think that one of the reasons that Rush and a lot of other conservatives have backed Trump is because they like the fact that he reacts to the media. That's not the way that you win a general election, because he is totally reactive. But this is, again, about building up a narrative that afterward there must be civil war. Look, here's the deal. November 9th, I don't want civil war. I don't. I'm not interested in civil war. I'm interested in everybody going home and looking in the mirror and figuring out what we've done. As I've said before, I think we conservatives, people who are people like Ted Cruz backers, what we've done is we've spent a long time telling you not that we're in a crisis scenario, because we are, but that every hill is the last hill to die on. That if we don't die on this hill, that the republic will end. And that leads to a crisis mentality that leads to the selection of the worst person, because after all, the ends justify the means. So that's our mistake. I think the establishment makes a mistake by pretending that there's a crisis so that they are acting as though they believe there's a crisis to get elected, then not treating it like a crisis and disappointing everybody, and then yelling at us for not being sophisticated players. And the Trump people, the people who are ardent Trump supporters, a lot of them just didn't realize what his policy preferences are. But some of them were just reacting out of pure rage. And you don't make good decisions when you're acting out of pure rage. So everybody has to look in the mirror a little bit. What I'm not interested in is recriminations where we all blame each other. Okay, I'm not interested in ousting Trump voters from the party. I'm not. I'm not interested in ousting establishment people from the party. I'm interested in who runs the party coming up. But that's a discussion we're going to have to have about principle, less than about politics. The Trump people are the ones who want the battle. They want the fight because they feel that they have to purge all of the people who are enemies of Trump in order to explain why Trump lost. So Pat Buchanan, who's legitimately a scummy guy. I mean, Pat Buchanan, I haven't called a lot of people in public life actual anti-Semites. Pat Buchanan is one. Pat Buchanan is a fellow who, back in the 1980s, directed Ronald Reagan to do a to do a, a tribute service to SS, dead SS soldiers at a memorial in Bitburg, Germany. Uh, Reagan didn't know what he was doing, but Pat Buchanan certainly did. Now, Buchanan is somebody who says we shouldn't have even fought World War II. We should have let Hitler win so that he could take on Stalin. Pat Buchanan, not a good guy, but he's a big Trump backer because they agree on a lot of policies. And here is Pat Buchanan talking about what happens post-Trump. Now, I read that how, um, how moral and great and progressive and these guys did who have dumped on Trump and cut him dead and how they're going to do really well and they're the rebuilders of the party. I really don't think so. I don't think, guys, when you're, you're at Gettysburg and you've lost Gettysburg, that the guys that weren't there or that knocked you are the ones that whom you elevate and honor and reward. I think you're going to have, I don't, I think a lot, all these folks that have abandoned, uh, abandoned Trump, 
I don't think any of them will ever be nominated for president of the United States. And that means uh, John Kasich. That means Jeb Bush. No, that I means mean, Lindsey yeah, Graham. That means I think, I think Bush Republicanism is dead. I really do. I think the ideas, it's big ideas. What were they? You know, quote, immigration reform, which was another word for amnesty. He had his wars in Iraq and all that, you know, we're going to make democracies out of all these countries in the so Middle Pat East. So Buchanan, in other words, is focused on turning the Republican Party into Trumpism forever. And the only way to do that is by excising the other parts of the party, which means it's a minority party forever. And it's a minority party that's really ugly in orientation because Pat Buchanan is an alt-right guy who believes in this sort of ethno-cultural solidarity in Western civilization, not cultural solidarity, ethno-cultural solidarity, the idea of the superiority of the European peoples as opposed to the superiority of European civilization. And they're building for post-November 8th. So while everybody is still focused in on Hillary, Trump isn't, Buchanan isn't, Hannity isn't, they're all ready to be preparing for November 9th. You should be aware of this because you should be thinking right now, how are you going to think on November 9th after Trump loses? How are you going to think if he loses? If he, which, again... All data shows he will. If he loses, how are you going to be thinking on November 9th? Are you going to be thinking along the lines of, let's purge all the people who didn't support Donald Trump all the way down the line, despite his toxicity, despite the fact he's losing women dramatically, despite there's a fact out that young people, 18 to 29, are voting Hillary 59 to 25? He's destroyed Republicanism for an entire generation of people. Are you going to burn down the people who decided they couldn't vote for him? Are you going to burn down the people who are reluctant about him? Or are you going to, are you going to say, listen, we all better get together to around a set of principles rather than worship of a guy who actually stands for a lot of bad principles. Now, one of the reasons that Trump has been allowed to get away with this routine, and so has Pat Buchanan, one of the reasons for that is because the media truly are terrible. So when you watch Gingrich with Kelly and Gingrich is criticizing the media, it's a mistake for, for members of the right who don't like Trump to say that, that Gingrich is totally wrong. He's not. The media are terrible. They're really terrible. Here's an example. Chris Matthews, you don't have anything to say. Joe Biden. Idiot Joe Biden, the, the, the vice president of the United States, God help us. Joe Biden said that he wanted to fight Donald Trump. So Chris Matthews, imagine if Donald Trump said he wanted to fight Joe Biden. Right? Imagine he'd, he'd initiated that. He actually did say it, but it was in response. Imagine that he said, I want to fight Joe Biden. I want to fight Barack Obama. End of the world, right? Violent rhetoric from the Republican nominee. Joe Biden says exactly that. So what does the media do? Chris Matthews, whatever I see. Come on. Say, here's, a, here's boxing gloves. It'll be great. Pugnacious, Joe. Pugnacious. I'm going to be sick with Maddie. Go. I've been listening to you the last couple of days. You're talking about taking on Donald Trump with fisticuffs yeah. behind the gym. So I brought something along for you that might be helpful to you in your new well, uh, endeavor. You. Uh, a couple I'll boxing you, I'm gloves. Ready. These, are, I'm ready. these are worn boxing gloves. These are the real thing. Well, let me tell you, Chris, I was trying to make a point. And, uh, you know, you, you and I grew up in similar neighborhoods, I think. And the way... Summerton. Well... Scranton. Scranton and Claymont. One of the things that uh, Trump is trying to say is that I was a pretty good athlete in high school, played a little in college, and um, people didn't act in the locker room like he talks about. That's not true. And you and I both know from the locker room and the school I went to, one of the guys said, this is what I'm going to do because I'm the star halfback or quarterback, yeah. I'm the boss, and my sister and her girlfriends are out there, I would take the guy behind the gym. The point I was making is he is trying to dumb down. He's insulting everybody in the neighborhoods I come from and the people who play ball. And that was the point I was trying to make. This is just absolutely unacceptable behavior, period. Okay, so, so I love that he says it's unacceptable behavior. 
also, I want to beat Donald Trump up behind a gym. He's really dumbed down policies. And Chris Matt said, oh, he's great. Joe Biden, I love you. It's great to get Amtrak over here. You come in with these boxing gloves. I'm not even going to give you. These, these are old boxing gloves. Somebody else wore them. They're not even new. I can't even afford new boxing gloves. I'm going to give you the old ones. I got them from the gym. I stole them from the locker. They smell like jockstrap. Ah! Okay, so, that, I mean, so you wonder why there's this, this much hatred of the media on the right. This is why there's this much hatred. And this is what Trump is looking to play on. And the anger at the media is totally justified. Here's another example. Wolf Blitzer on CNN. He asks Kellyanne Conway to, to get Trump to stop attacking the media. Come on. Go to all these rallies. They're in this pen. He points to them. He sort of eggs the crowd on to go after them. These, these, and there are a lot of young journalists there. They're scared sometimes. I know them and, all. And, I respect them all. I'm and, glad and he, that they're He shouldn't be doing that. Pain. I mean, could you talk to him and say to him, Mr. Trump, we only have a few days left. These are hardworking young journalists. They deserve to have some security, if you will, because some of those uh, Trump uh, supporters out there, they get pretty nasty in what they're screaming at these well, young just people. To, look, your first point, yes, I will tell him that. Secondly, and he's probably watching right now, but secondly, I, uh, the only violence I saw at rallies so far was what we saw on videotape by somebody whose cohorts were in the White House 346 times, actively paying people $1,500 a pop to be protesters to incite violence at Trump rallies. That's being done by Democratic operatives. Goes all the, way, the stink goes all the way up the chain through the DNC and related groups and through uh, Hillary Clinton. Conway is totally right here. I do find it humorous that she's saying that she'll tell Donald Trump a message from Wolf Blitzer about the media. But of course people are angry at the media. They should be angry at the media. And Wolf Blitzer pretending that the media are all victims of the Trump people. Come on. Okay, I don't remember Wolf Blitzer saying this to Black Lives Matter. Do you? Okay, at, at Black Lives Matter rallies or Black Lives Matter associated riots, journalists have been physically assaulted. I don't remember Wolf Blitzer ever saying to President Obama, could you tell the Black Lives Matter crowd, you know, the, the ones that you keep pandering to, you have Jeray McKesson to the White House, could you have Jeray McKesson maybe say that it would be bad to target journalists? It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Of course, Americans hate the media. They should hate the media. Stephen Colbert, who's just an execrable host. I mean, he's an awful, awful host. Stephen Colbert has no ratings. We're doubling his ratings just by showing this clip on our show. Here, here's, here is Stephen Colbert going after Donald Trump in the worst possible way. Yesterday, he held a rally in Tampa, Florida, and you might want to get the children out of the room because things got pretty steamy. There he is on stage saying hi to the crowd, going over to hug one of his loved ones, and it's an American flag. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Donald Trump just groped the American flag. Um. You know, they let you do that if you're a star. I feel sorry for the flag. Flag had to just sit there and take it because those colors don't run. Now, this is true. I actually God, was watching so TV last night. I saw this when it happened. And I, I was having a conversation with my wife, and I said, I'm sorry, you have to stop for a second. What? I had to watch it three times <laughs> to make sure I wasn't having a stroke. <laughs> can we, Jim, can we see that magic moment again? <laughs> we didn't mock that up. That is insane. He knows we salute the flag in America, right? We don't, we don't dry hump it. Okay, we can stop. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, this is like, P Americans look at this, a lot of Americans look at this, they say he's awful, the media is awful, 
And what they see is a guy who likes the flag, right? And what he sees is a guy dry humping the flag because this is what the left sees. The left doesn't like the flag all that much. These are the same people who think Colin Kaepernick is a wonderful fellow for kneeling during the national anthem to dishonor the flag. Uh, So no wonder people are angry. And Trump is playing on that anger, but he's not playing on it to win. He's now playing on it uh, for his own self-aggrandizement. And that's what I'm telling you to look out for, because after this election cycle is over, you're going to have to decide who was to blame for this. You're going to have to decide what can we all do to make this better? Or I guess we can just go along with Trump, pay him 12 bucks a month, and be told that the, the Trump movement is on the rise and it's time for an alt-right nationalist populist party to replace that old failing Republican party. You know, the one that didn't lose by seven or eight points in a general election, the one that actually owns most of the governorships, the one that had blowout victories in 2010 and 2014 in the House and the Senate. Okay, time for some things I like, things I hate, and then we will do some Bible talk. So, Things I like today. Uh, we've been doing uh, we've been doing comics. So this one is the sequel. I, last week we did um, we did the Long Halloween. Now this week is a sequel. That is the other great Batman comic, Dark Victory. Uh, this is it's really terrific. Jeff Loeb again. You should know his work from Daredevil if you like the series on Netflix. He's the creative director on that. He's one of the best in the business. All of his stuff is very noir based. So this is almost like a film noir, uh, and it's really really strong stuff. Batman Dark Victory. You can check that out at Amazon.com. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So we'll start with Sean Hannity on his radio show yesterday. Again, I think that Sean Hannity has done a lot of wonderful things for the conservative movement. I think he's been a great spokesman for a lot of conservative ideas. Um, but this is just, I don't know why what he's thinking here. I don't know why he would want to poison his own kind of history. And he's somebody who rightly has talked about President Obama's history of extremism. He said this yesterday on his show. Josh Ernest, the White House propagandist, was asked yesterday whether Obama was planning to flee abroad if Trump... A man he said is unfit to hold office. By the way, if anyone was unfit, if we haven't learned by now, it's Obama. God, the worst presidency in our lifetime by far. Uh, In response, Ernest would only say that Obama was campaigning to ensure that no one would would have to leave because of a Donald Trump presidency. The rumor mill apparently first started when a Canadian satire site Uh, carried an article saying Obama was planning to move to Canada if Trump was victorious. The piece was entitled, Obama declares his family will move to Canada if Trump is elected, and carried a fictitious statement supposedly from Obama which said, it's something Michelle, the kids, and I have discussed as a potential solution to the Donald. Anyway, when asked about the rumors on Air Force One, Ernest said Obama would spend a significant time campaigning for Hillary and other Democrats down the ballot. He's working very hard to make sure that nobody has to leave the country, blah, blah. So they're not saying for sure. Well, I have an offer for the president. I will charter a plane for you and your family. I will make sure it's as big a plane as Air Force One, what you have grown accustomed to, in other words, taxpayer-funded plane. I don't know where I'm going to get Maybe I'll. Tr- maybe I'll just Maybe I'll ask Trump if I can charter his plane for Obama. That's what I will charter John, Donald Trump's plane if he'll let me. And I will charter it to the country of your choice. You want to go to Canada? I'll pay for you to go to Canada. Want to go to Kenya? I'll pay for you to go to Kenya. Jakarta, where you went to school back in the day, you can go back there. Okay. Anywhere you want to go. I'm going to I'll, I'll put the finest food, caviar, champagne, you name it. How is this smart? I have one stipulation. Just, 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 you can't come back. That's what he says. You can't come back. Okay. How is that smart? Like, he's not a birther. I know, I know Sean's not a birther. So why is he doing this routine? It just gives ammunition to the enemy. 
It just gives ammunition to the to the real bad guys, the folks on the left who've been claiming this whole time that we're all closet birthers who think that Obama was born in Kenya. And there he says, you can go. I'll send you on a plane to Kenya. Why would Obama want to go to Kenya? He has no interest in being in Kenya. He doesn't even like he went there for five minutes in his book, Dreams for My Father. But it's just it's just it's foolish. And this is the there's such a thing as counterproductive, folks, whether you like it or not. There is such a thing as politically counterproductive. If you want to win, perhaps you should do things that are not politically counterproductive. But this is no longer about winning. This is just about getting people angry now. And that's that's really sad. Okay, other things that I hate. Michael Moore uh, is uh, is has now cut a video on behalf of Donald Trump, which is really weird. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this. That's why every beaten down, nameless, forgotten working stiff who used to be part of what was called the middle class loves Trump. He is the human Molotov cocktail that they've been waiting for. The human hand grenade that they can legally throw into the system that stole their lives from them. And on November 8th, election day, although they lost their jobs, Although they've been foreclosed on by the bank, next came the divorce, and now the wife and kids are gone. The car's been repoed. They haven't had a real vacation in years. They're stuck with the Obamacare bronze plan where you can't even get a Percocet. <laughs> they've essentially lost everything they had except one thing. The one thing that doesn't cost them a cent and is guaranteed to them by the American Constitution, the right to vote. They might that, be. You know, that, that, that kind of dispossessed white people are going to back Trump because of, of all of this. And that, of course, is Helen Thomas speaking. Uh, or Toodles from Hook, one of the two. Uh, in any case, the, here's what I hate about this. He's not wrong about a lot of this, about the feeling. He actually isn't. But you understand that Michael Moore has made his living on grievance culture. It's where he makes his living. He's on the hard left. His whole hard left routine is you are aggrieved, vote into power somebody who is powerful in order to make your grievances a thing of the past, in order to fix all those grievances. When Michael Moore is siding with Donald Trump, when Michael Moore is siding, putting his grievance culture on the side of the Republican candidate, that says something that's not very good about the Republican candidate. Yes, you can tell something by your enemies. You can also tell something by your friends. I'm old enough to remember when Michael Moore was at the 2004 DNC sitting in a box with John Kerry. And he was considered the hardest left guy there was. And now here he is on stage praising Donald Trump. If you think that's a positive movement in favor of conservatism in America, you got something wrong here. Okay, so uh, we'll do a little, a little bit of Bible today. We, have a, we do have a show today. We have a show tomorrow, and we do have a show on Friday. We'll do Deconstructing the Culture on Friday. So for the, the second straight time, we'll postpone Deconstructing the Culture. But don't worry, we'll get to it. Um, but a little bit of Bible talk. So this week... Uh, we restarted the Bible. So the, in, in, the, in the Jewish tradition, we do through a week of, uh, every week we do a different portion of the Bible. Uh, and yesterday we finished reading the Bible and then we restarted the five books of Moses. So we start with Genesis. And I want to talk about uh, the story of Adam and Eve a little bit. I'm taking this, uh, this interpretation from Rabbi David Foreman, whose books are very good. I've recommended uh, his book on this before. Uh, this is from Genesis 3, 1 through 6. So, uh, this is the part where the serpent basically seduces Eve into eating from the apple, original sin. And the serpent was cunning more than all the beasts of the field the Lord God had made. And it said to the woman, did God indeed say you shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, of the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God said you shall not eat of it and you shall not touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die for God knows that on the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. You will be like angels knowing good and evil. 
And the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took of its fruit, and she ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So the question that Rabbi Foreman asks, and is a great question, is what exactly is the serpent's pitch here? Right? What's his pitch? Like his original question, did God indeed say you shall not eat of any of the trees of the garden? First of all, number one, the serpent already said, the serpent knows already, right? He's asking this question because he knows the story. And he knows that God didn't say you can't eat any of the trees of the garden. But what's the actual case here? Like God said no, and now you should say yes? Like it's not, it's not an actual case. What he's actually saying here, according to Rabbi Foreman, I think this is a beautiful interpretation. He says, did God indeed say you shouldn't eat from the trees of the garden? And what he's really saying is, yes, I know God told you not to eat from, the, from these, this particular tree. I know God told you not to eat from that particular tree. But didn't he create you with desires to eat from that particular tree? Didn't down in your heart, you know, God may have told you verbally, but he wants you to be an independent human being. He wants you to be like God, right? He wants you to be capable of independent thought. So deep down on the inside, don't you, don't you feel the desire to eat from the fruit of that tree? And would God have created that desire within you if he didn't mean for you to humor that desire and go along with that desire? Right? Why would God create these conflicting ideas, the order not to eat, but this desire to eat? Isn't, it, isn't your nature the truest evidence that God wants you to eat from that tree? And this has been the pitch of secular leftism in the 19th and 20th and 21st centuries for the last 150 years. The idea that nature, that what God wants of you, that what morality demands of you is only what your biology desires. That you're not here to overcome your nature. That God doesn't give you inclinations that you're supposed to fight in order to become a more spiritual human being. That really what God did was God planted within you desires and anything that's counter to those desires is thus immoral. And it's sort of the Lady Gaga born this way notion. Right? I'm on, the, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. That routine. And, it's, and you know, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful interpretation because that's obviously a threat that, that continues to bug us. Uh, throughout human history, this, this, the seduction of human nature. We have to take a quick break here for our friends over at Wink.com. So Wink.com used to be Club W, we used to, but Wink.com, is the, these are the people where you go to their website, they give you a taste profile, what kind of wines you'll like. So I'm not a wine expert, I don't know anything about wine, I just know what tastes good to me. Um, but what they do is they, they tell you, I mean, I wouldn't know a white wine from a, a red wine other than the color, really. Um, but the people at Wink.com, they match up what kind of wine you would like to the other flavor profiles that you would enjoy. Uh, and, uh, and then they, you can buy the wine really cheap, and they send it to you. It's Apparently, according to the folks in the office, the wine is really terrific. That's why they're half drunk all the time, and the sound doesn't match up, because they've all gotten their product from Wink.com, and they're drinking on the job. Um, but they're the best we can hire, so sorry about that. But Wink.com is the place you can go in order to, in order to become a part of this, in order to get uh, these these great wines at a really low price. It's at winc.com. It's W-I-N-C, not wink like your eye, like winc.com. And uh, it, is a, it is the same amazing wine company, and they have all their, their wines are produced in-house, uh, and they're really top-notch, according to all the people I know who have tried them. Try wink.com slash Ben, and they cover the shipping. Uh, and they offer listeners 20 bucks off right now, so that's at least a couple of bottles of wine, I believe, when you go to trywink.com slash Ben, and they cover the shipping again, and they help you determine what's a good wine to bring to your friend's house if you don't know anything about wine. Okay, so... Tomorrow, we'll be talking more, I'm sure, about the presidential race. Uh, Donald Trump is, uh, is now making the case that this is the last race that will ever happen in the United States, and we'll talk about whether that is true or whether that is not. Hillary Clinton continues to be the most corrupt, bat-crazy woman ever to run for presidency. 
we will continue to spiral toward the seventh circle of hell. We have 13 more days to do it, and we'll be there with you every step of the way. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 